0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. We're going to continue on with our service today, and we're so excited to be launching, starting a new series today. It's going to be a three-week series called According to Jesus. You know, I'm personally excited about it, and uh, we're going to dig into that starting today. And we have a, one, of our, one of the members of our teaching team here with us to kick this off. Uh, for us today, would you help me welcome Pastor Bob Layman today? How you doing, Josh? All right, all right. Hey, so good to be here. Glad you guys keep on putting up with me. You know, I I, I really do. You know, I mean, you guys uh, you guys are so gracious. So good to see you. You know, I I've got a stool, okay, and and I may have to use that because. Uh, Less than 24 hours ago, I was in El Salvador with my wife, and uh, we were there doing some ministry things with uh, a number of people and so on, but when we were in San Salvador, which is um, the capital, um, we were the only Anglos in the entire uh, community there. I mean, there really is, there's no tourism there anymore, and we probably just, in the downtown portion, ran into about 150 people, all, uh, you know, with machine guns and... uh, I mean, it was kind of brutal, you know, some of the violence that's going on there um, right now. Anyway, um, you know, coming back, I didn't say this in the first service, but I just feel so compelled to tell you that when I came back, I kind of got a little bit of the Montezuma deal, you know, happening. Isn't that great? You know, don't eat street tacos. That's all I can say is, it's, you know, you can understand that and stuff. So I'm a little bit disoriented, so, um, <laughs> so just bear with me. Secondly, while I'm down in El Salvador, I had the privilege of, of doing the final preparation for this message and starting the series. As Ryan and I got together, we were talking about the series and so on, I got really, really excited about it. Because you guys you know, know that I like preaching and all that kind of stuff, but you may not know that I love writing, too, and have written some books. And, and uh, I have a A weekly blog this is really shameless right now but if you would like to to get my weekly blog um, you know only cost you a couple of hundred no it doesn't cost anything it's free but uh, you know on the connection card just go ahead and put down and want the blog and put your your uh, uh, email address legibly you know you know and uh, you know I'll send it to you and uh, then you can uh, either enjoy it or you know unsubscribe whatever all that to say that because I write so much, often in my blogs, I will have a phrase—a phrase that you use, a phrase that I use all the time. It is the phrase "according to." So when you're writing something, you always say, "Now according to," and then you fill in the blank with whatever authority or whatever quote from a person you know has just said. So you know it's by you know this kind of. Um, uh, authority that I share what I'm going to share. That, uh, so you understand that, right? Well, now let's put ourselves into the greatest authority of all times, Jesus Christ. In fact, whether you're a, you know, grew up in church world or not, everybody understands Jesus was a person who spoke with authority, and, and, and most believe him to be the greatest teacher of all times. So when we talk about, you know, this idea of according to Jesus, we're just simply kind of saying the same thing that we find throughout the scriptures. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 1, and this is just one of many, many places in the scripture, you find these words, verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So it is appropriate that we do a series, it could go longer than three weeks, but a series that says, according to Jesus. And we're going to just launch this thing today by talking about this, forgiveness according to Jesus. Forgiveness according to Jesus. Now I want you to know that I've been very fortunate in ministry. And you will all understand what I'm talking about here, because ministry is highly relational. It's all about people. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's the worst thing in the world. And you may be even a job. That it's the same kind of thing. Relationships are, are great, but it also can be really trying. And I've, I've been really fortunate. I've been hurt, you know, very often in ministry, but I was once in particular. It was a misunderstanding, it was nothing sinful or anything like that, but I was misunderstood, or at least I was represented as being misunderstood. The great story is, just a few weeks later, the the people came back and said, oh my goodness, we were so wrong, please forgive us, blah, blah, blah. But I just want you to know what it was like going home that day. Young guy, you know, in ministry, you know, just got this kind of Pollyanna view of things. And I gathered my family around. And I, I, I'm going to be totally transparent. I just cried. I didn't just cry. I, I heaved. I sobbed. Have you ever been in that kind of situation where you cried so hard, it was just you couldn't even catch your breath? And that's what was going on in my life. Because they had done something that to my mind was unforgivable. You ever been there? I mean, it was something that was just absolutely unforgivable. And so I was kind of carrying around this idea, you know, I, I prayed for them, but it had something to do with heart attack or car accident or something like that. But I'm I, I, I kind of dealing with some things that were going on and so on. And then I read a familiar verse. This is all true story. read a familiar verse that just basically gave me a sense of panic. And the verse is found, in fact, it's repeated throughout the Gospels, but I liked Matthew chapter 6. Verses 14 and 15. This is called uh, you know, right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches on a variety of subjects, one after another. And he talks about forgiveness right here. And this is what it says, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But now watch this, verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And I read that and I read it and it gives me this sense of panic. And and I have to believe if you're a follower of Jesus on any level at all, it does the same thing for you. I mean, that's pretty clear. If you don't forgive others, My father in heaven, your father in heaven will not forgive you. That is, that's horrendous. That's huge. So how in the world do you forgive somebody of something that in your heart and your mind is unforgivable? Quite honestly, this message has the potential to do a lot in everybody's heart. It, it, It just does. I don't know where you guys are at. You don't even know where I'm at. But this has potential today. And this is not just pastor hype. Oh, this is the greatest sermon you'll ever hear. No, no, no. I'm just telling you, this has potential. Because we're not only sinners that, for, that, that receive Jesus' love. We are sinners who were forgiven and given an opportunity to forgive other people. This is crazy stuff we're going to talk about today. And what I want to do is we just start off is I want to share with you what I believe is the most amazing display of forgiveness. And it's Jesus on the cross. And, and let me set it up for you, okay? And, and, and for a lot of you say, oh, come on. You know, I, I remember this. Easter. You know, Pastor Ryan, you know, he's always talking about Easter. I, I got it. I know the story. Let me set the context for you just to refresh your memory. Jesus is going to the cross, he's going to hang on the cross, and he is absolutely 100% totally innocent, totally innocent, never sinned, and he ends up hanging between two criminals. Okay, you with me? Luke tells it this way in Luke 23, verse 32 and 33, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and the other on his left. Now, when we read this, a lot of times people don't really understand all that was going on at that moment on the cross. For one thing, when you and I watch a movie about Jesus on the cross, or we saw you know, some sort of TV program, inevitably it's suspect even great ones like Passion of the Christ, which has so much good accuracy to it. And all those things, you see Jesus primarily put up high on a cross and two criminals up there and everybody's kind of down here. We're looking up at Jesus up on the cross and we get that visual picture. You with me? We all have that kind of visual picture that's going on there. But I'm going to share maybe some new information for all of you. Uh, and, and, and really, I, I, I encourage you to check it out, because it really was new to me. And I've been in this gig for a long time. You see, the cross was actually designed for torture and for extreme humiliation, okay? It was payback time for anybody who had been wronged. And it was very expensive to do a crucifixion. So it didn't happen all the time. Only for the capital crimes, only for the worst of the worst of the worst, okay? So now here is Jesus on this cross, okay? And he's being crucified. By the way, we get the English word excruciating directly from the word crucifixion. It gives you an idea of what's going on here. There's excruciating pain, excruciating humiliation. And part of the humiliation was that when somebody was crucified, they were not crucified high up here in some, you know, 14-foot cross. Ordinarily, they were crucified at eye level. Because, see, when a person died of crucifixion, they usually died of suffocation. Because of the pain and the torture and everything, they would slump over, they could no longer breathe. So they would have to push themselves up, grab a breath, and then go down again. And they would crucify a person only one step away from getting a breath. But they couldn't do it because they had nails in their hands. and They had nails in their feet. You with me? Secondly, people would come by at eye level, look them in the eye, and mock them, and spit on them, and humiliate them, can you imagine if, if, if somebody killed somebody in your family, and here he is, right here. You'd walk in front of them, and you'd spit on them and said, you deserve this. I'm glad you're being crucified. That was huge. And so in the midst of this torture, in the midst of the crucifixion, in the midst of this humiliation... The worst time that you can possibly imagine, Jesus looks out at all those that are mocking him and he says the most remarkable prayer that is even found in the scriptures. It's just crazy. it's, It's crazy. Jesus says in Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He says, Daddy, Father, God, forgive them they do not know what they're doing right now in this moment of absolute totally sinless person Jesus asked God to forgive the unforgivable I don't know what that does for you but you know what it does for me (laughs) moment forgiving something. It seemed totally and completely unforgivable. So now stay with me, okay? Let's just call this what it is. Because if you live long enough, you're going to be hurt by somebody. You just are. In fact, many of you right now are carrying around with you a significant wound Something happened. Somebody abused you as a kid. Somebody took advantage of you. You know, somebody hurt your child. Somebody hurt your sister. Somebody in the Christian community didn't act very Christ-like to you. In fact, they did something that devastated you. Maybe some of you have been in a church and they did something that just hurt you deep. Deep whether they even knew it or not. Somebody gossiped about you. Somebody said something they shouldn't have said about you. Maybe it was a boss and you ended up losing your job because of what they said about you and it wasn't even true. Or what's crazy is that some of you right now are carrying around a wound, in unforgiveness from somebody who isn't even alive now. For some of you, it was a parent. A parent that touched you inappropriately. A parent that that was never there for you. A person that, that he's long gone, she's long gone, but you're still carrying around this weight, this bitterness, this anger and humanly speaking, that's legit. Nobody should touch a person like that. Nobody should say something like that. Nobody should do something like that. And, 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 and maybe for some of you, it's nothing really, really big. You know, but for some of you, maybe it's, you just can never do enough for that person. Every time you see him, it's just like you, you feel less than. You know, it, it's, you know, it's a mother-in-law. Did I say mother-in-law? Sorry. My wife's teaching up at Arizona Hills today, so I can say mother-in-law. Actually, she's really cool. Don't say a thing, or I'll kill you. You know. But yeah, you know, I mean, this, this, you know, this, this thing. Maybe it's nothing like you know, like big, but it's just that constant nails on a chalkboard. You can't do enough for them. You always feel like oh, I don't want to go to that party. I don't want to go to that reunion. I, I don't want to go to their house for dinner. Some of you. Something happened in your life, and you're just plain angry at God. You're mad at Him. My mom died of cancer at 51 years old. I can remember the months that preceded her death. I prayed like crazy. Oh, God. Oh, God, I love you. I'll do anything. I've given my life to you, God. Just heal my mom. And you know what? He didn't. Maybe that's happened with you. Or maybe it's something in your own past that you can't forgive yourself. Something that just keeps on coming up over and over again. And you think, oh God, you're a great God, but I know you can't forgive me of that. And you've been carrying around this weight, this chain. In fact... (laughs) Josh, I was down in El Salvador, I was almost thinking about calling you and saying, you know what I'd like is like a big chain that I could preach on, because sometimes we feel that way. So all of this that I'm sharing right now raises the question of what this whole series, at least today, is about, and that is how in the world do we forgive like Jesus? How do we forgive according to Jesus, according to His authority? Because at the heart of the gospel, Jesus came to forgive sinners, right? And as we are forgiven, he calls us to forgive other people. In the midst of all of our pain, all the chains that we are carrying. And so can I just give you two simple thoughts? Because I'm a simple dude. And I want to keep it simple so we might remember these things, okay? Two simple thoughts in learning to forgive according to Jesus. Number one, are you ready? Write it down. Pray for those who hurt you. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. At eye level, people mocking him, spitting on him, you know, hey, hey, you know, he saved other people, save yourself, dude. That's what people were saying. But what did Jesus teach in Luke chapter 6, verse 28? Jesus said, bless those who curse you. And then he goes on and he says, and pray for those who, say it with me, come on, hurt you. Say it, hurt you. You know, the word in the original language is the word mistreat. Those people who mistreat you, he says, pray for those. That's crazy. If you've been hurt with a really deep hurt, you may take this verse and say, yeah, I'll pray for them. I'll pray that they have hemorrhoids. I pray that they have hemorrhoids coming out of their nose. Well, that's gross. I don't even get that. That even makes sense. But what I am going to pray, I'm going to pray that they suffer. Yeah, I'll pray for them. And what Jesus said was so shocking. And he also repeated himself all throughout the Gospels. Matthew 5, he says this. It's jaw-dropping. It's shocking to everybody there. And you know the reason why? Because all the people who were listening to him had been taught the exact opposite. Did you know that? They've been taught the exact opposite. In fact, by the way, just a little, you know, factoid here. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any period of time at all, don't let this familiarity of this verse rob you of something significant that God is going to teach you this morning. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43, Jesus started it by saying, you've heard it said. By the way, he repeats that five times. You've heard it said. In other words, you've been taught this for a whole long time. You've heard it said. You've heard it said. You've heard it said. And then he goes on and he says, hate your in- or, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've been taught that your entire life. Those who love you, you don't love them. But those who hate you, you, know, the, you know, those, those who are unkind to you, those that are enemy, you give it right back to them. But the verse goes on and it says, I tell you. By my authority, according to me, he says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is jaw-dropping. It's crazy. I believe, and I mentioned this in the first service, you could hear a pin drop when Jesus said these things. Because nobody had heard this before. Did you know in the culture there, there were the Romans, there were also the Greek. Did you know that that, those two groups of people worshipped the God of revenge? The name of the God of revenge in the Greek culture is the word nemesis. That's what they worshipped. And the Jews, they did the same kind of thing. What do we know the Jews what were they taught in the Old Testament? You say, you say it with me. An eye for a? A tooth for a? Blood for? In other words, you dish it back in kind to whatever anybody did to you. So Jesus is saying, you heard it said, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh-uh. According to me, things are different. I think this just absolutely was the most radical of teaching. It was, it was crazy. That's why, you know, if you, know, if, if you break my bone, I'm going to break your bone. If you cut me off, I'm going to flip you off. No, I'm not really going to do that. Can you say that? And, and you know, That's why I don't have a Christian bumper sticker. <laughs> Follow me to North Valley. Don't, don't, no, no, you don't do that. Here's the deal. If you've been around church for any time at all, you will probably be saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love your enemies. I get it. Heard it. Got the T-shirt. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Until somebody molests your sister. Until somebody... Smack it against you. I mean, we're all for loving our enemies until you actually have one. And if there's one thing, you know me by now, that when I preach, I kind of like to shoot from the hip and say it the way it is, what we're really already thinking about. Here's what I hope you're going to see. If you've been devastated by someone, let down by someone, somebody lied about you, gossiped about you, all those, the first thing we do is pray. Easy peasy. But why did Jesus teach this? I think he had probably multiple reasons on why he taught this. But here's a big one. Because a right attitude will always precede a right action. This is just a basic axiom of life. It's a principle. You already know this principle. I do too. And a right attitude will eventually lead to a right action. Jesus says, pray for that enemy. Even though every cell in your body is screaming, no way. Not that person. You know, when I'm overwhelmed with bitterness towards someone, Seems like I'm not going to ever have a right action. But if I'm praying for someone, what happens? My attitude begins to change. Again, let me just call it like it is. If you're waiting to be in the mood to forgive someone, you will never forgive them. If you're waiting to be in the mood, you will never be in the mood, ever. So you start doing something that is right in your mind. And, and I think Pastor Ryan uh, a couple of months ago was talking about this very thing. It will renew your mind. And then eventually those right attitudes will lead you to the right actions. And so this is, uh, this is where I went with that, that hurt. I began to pray for two individuals. And this is how I prayed. Oh God, do something in their life. That was it, short and sweet. God, do something in their life. But after a while, after I started praying for them like that, it changed. Oh, God, do something significant in their life. And finally, oh, God, bless them. Bless the socks off of them, for goodness sakes. Just bless them. You know, we do that with everything. When you begin to start praying for other churches around you, you get blessed. Oh, God, just bless them. Bless them with tons of people. Bless them with all sorts of blessing. Great things happen to you. It just is. Now, let me tell you this. When you start praying for those who persecute you and have hurt you and so on, listen now. Your prayer may or may not change them, but it will always change you that's the nature of this communication piece that God gave us so how do you love like Jesus and how do you forgive like Jesus and how do you how do you forgive according to Jesus you pray for those who hurt you secondly I told you this was a simple message we are to forgive as we have been forgiven In other words, don't take your cue on forgiveness from other people. Take your cue for forgiveness from the one who has the authority, from Jesus, according to Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, I love what Paul said. Paul said this, forgive one another. He says, forgive one another. Any of you who has a grievance against someone, and how are you to forgive? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He's the model. He's the example. And I don't know about you. I, I don't. But I know God has forgiven me a lot. In my life, I've got things that I'm ashamed of. When I first came to know Christ on the college campus, I had to go back to individuals that I had hurt. Talk about being weird and a brand new Christian. But I did. I did. I don't know what you've done I don't know how many lies you've told I don't, know, I don't know how many people you've hurt how often you've lied to yourself, whatever but I'm to forgive like the Lord forgave me I, I just shudder when I think of that, that verse you know in Luke chapter 7 you have this story of this woman who is anointing Jesus' feet You know, with her tears and with the perfume all that kind of thing Remember the story that's kind of, some of you in church world, you remember that story? And remember the guy who is hosting the party is really ticked off at her? And Jesus says, hey, wait, wait, wait. Who forgives more and who loves more? The one who has a big debt or a small debt? You see, people who have been forgiven a lot, they, in turn, forgive a lot. And I don't know about your background, your past, but I've been forgiven a lot. And it makes me a little easier to forgive the people in my life. You with me? That makes sense. This ought to be the kind of thing that says, well, yeah, I, I get it. I understand. Matthew 18, Jesus gives a story. Maybe you've heard the story about this king, you know, rich dude, and, and this guy owes him a gazillion dollars. I, I don't know the story about where it came from because Jesus is making up the story. You know a parable is a made-up story. Jesus makes up the story to tell a truth. And so he makes up this story and, and, and the story, and the king has compassion on the dude and forgives the whole debt gazillion dollars but then the 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 guy goes out and he shakes down a friend who owe him a couple of bucks the king gets wind of it and he says wait a minute I forgave you this much and you can't forgive this much he grabs him by the throat and he throws him into jail until every penny is repaid and then Jesus kind of gives the the bottom line again that's how God's going to deal with you and me if we don't follow Jesus' cue and forgive like we've been forgiven. I mentioned this in the first service. I I really hadn't intended on it, but I'm going to just say it again here. Some of your marriages right now, I don't know you, but you may be hanging on by a thread. There have been words that have been said. There's been pain. There's been maybe even cheating. You're hanging on by a thread. In fact, you may be in the back of your mind saying, you know, I've really got grounds for divorce. But can I just suggest something? You also have grounds for forgiveness. Is that cool or what? Jesus of all people was the most righteous person. He had grounds to wipe everybody out for what they were doing. But he had grounds for forgiveness. I don't know what you're dealing with and so on, but at some point, you have to make a choice. At some point, you can make a choice and it will always be a choice. I want to forgive, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm going to choose what God's word says and I'm going to work toward it. Or, you can get bitter. Let, pretend with me. Let's say we don't go the forgiveness route, you want to go the bitter route, okay? Just, just go with me for just a second. I just want to, something happened to me and I'm just flat out mad. And I'm mad and I'm bitter. And, and every time I think about that person or that situation, I just get mad. And my heart starts beating really fast and stuff. And I, I'm just mad. I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm mad. I'm angry. Every time I think about it, I'm just going to let it fester. And I get bitter and bitter and bitter. Did you know that Anne Lamott, a really interesting quote, she said this. She said, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. So, is that your game plan? (laughs) I hope they die. What do you do when you've been hurt? You make a choice. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to forgive like Jesus forgave me. Somewhere down the line, you're going to pop in the frozen CD and you're going to just let it go. You, sorry, that's me. <laughs> I got grandkids, okay? You just let it go. Because... When you do, everybody gets blessed, and everybody gets transformed. 2015, I want you to go back with me right now as I close. In 2015, some very interesting things happened. Ferguson, Missouri happened. An African-American was killed. You know what happened? Riots crazy. Baltimore happened. You know what happened after that? Riots. Crazy. Dallas, Texas happened. What happened? Riots. Crazy. But on June 17th of 2015, something happened in Charleston. Something horrendous, something awful. Charleston, South Carolina, this dude, this white supremacist, Dylan Roof, 21 years old, he goes into a, a prayer meeting in a church in downtown Charlotte and he kills nine people point blank. The senior pastor was killed, a state senator was killed. Now, what you may not know as the bond herring and the arraignment happened the next day. And the relatives of those whose families were killed were invited to speak so they could see Dylan Roof, eye to eye, person to person. And one by one, they got in front of him and they forgave him. The news media didn't even know what to do with that. One by one by one, their absolute world was devastated and they forgave. One person in particular, I I, I, I still can't remember this or, or, or how it affected me Nadine Collier. She was the daughter of a 70-year-old woman who was executed there in that church. And this is what she said. I quote, I forgive you. You took something very precious for me. I will never talk to her again. I will never, ever hold her again. But I forgive you. And I ask that God has mercy on your life. And of all those episodes that happened across the United States, the one that had every right to riot did not. Because that act of forgiveness transformed a community. Guys, I don't know where you're at, but I can't believe that there's not a few people here that have been carrying an offense for such a long time. And God's been speaking to your heart and today is the day. For some of you, you're going to begin praying today. For some of you, you're going to take it to another step. You're going to forgive them as you yourself have already been forgiven. I believe from the bottom of my heart that not only will transform you, it will transform everybody around you. It just will. And this is not my opinion. This is forgiveness according to Jesus. You pray with me? God, you are such a good God. You are so awesome. God, I just have to believe there are people here that are just hurting. And Lord, it's legit. They've got real reason. But oh God, they've also got real reason to lean into your example. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, they have the ability, Lord, through you, to do something that this world doesn't even understand. And that is to forgive like you forgave us. I pray that you would empower people to do just that this day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.